What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Sports. Jamoke Davis here with you. We got a jam-packed show today. We're going to talk about the Kansas Jayhawks winning the national championship and why it was a little bit awkward. Just a little bit awkward at the end. Just a little bit. We'll also get into the Masters. Now, look, you know my show is not necessarily going to go in-depth on the Masters. That's really for the tour junkies to do. You can also listen to that on the PropsHQ.com. There's a link to the Tour Junkies podcast, talking everything PGA Tour Golf. But I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts on what Tiger means to golf and what surprises me about it. And then we'll also talk about the NBA as we're about a week away from the play-in tournaments. Lakers! What the heck is going on with the Lakers? And why is Magic Johnson just raining on their, well, not really a parade? Uh, They're not looking too good. They're just simply not looking too good. And we'll talk about that up next on Just For Sport. All right, everybody, this is Just For Sport with Jamoke Davis here with you. I hope you you stayed up late. You watched one of the best games ever in the national championship because it was historical. It is something that had never been done before. And that is for a team to come back from down 16 points to win the national championship. 72 to 69 for the Kansas Jayhawks over the North Carolina Tar Heels, which bums me out because that means the ACC doesn't get a championship. But it also means that, unfortunately, if you have been following me and noticing that I was, you know, I put my bet in, my pick in last night for who would win. And I said, I'm taking the Jayhawks at minus four. So, yep, there's that bad beat. Unfortunately, they won by three, which means I would lose. But it was it was a good game in that I thought really that Kansas at the very beginning had a chance to run away with the game, and they couldn't do it. And North Carolina withstood the, the tough, shooting stretch in the beginning where they where nothing would fall and then they were able to turn it around and then that and then they ended up going up 16 points and you know Bill Self said don't worry about it don't worry about it we can come back from this and they did and I was quite amazed I really was at halftime I was like nah I think it's done I think it's over I just didn't see it. But that's also because, yes, this was the largest comeback. No team had ever come back from down 16 points to win the national championship. So the odds were against them. But they also were for them because they had one coach, one coach there who could give them a little bit of hope. And it's funny because realistically, back in the day, Roy Williams said I could give a bleep, bleep, bleep about Carolina when he won a national, lost a national championship with Kansas. 
And then a few weeks later, he ended up going to North Carolina, even though at the time he wasn't happy that they asked him the question after losing a national championship. But the bottom line is Roy Williams has a legacy at both schools. Yes, he's won a national championship. He's had a story past at both Kansas and North Carolina, and they were playing each other last night. Now, yeah, Roy Williams wore the baby blue, but that's okay. I mean, the last school he was coaching was in North Carolina Tar Heels, and he handed over the reins to Hubert Davis, who done just a phenomenal job with North Carolina, considering that their season was kind of okay. It wasn't great. Actually, one of my favorite jerseys is I have a Wizards jersey from Hubert Davis. My last name is Davis, so I do collect Davis jerseys when I can. And you add to the fact that it was right after September 11th, so there's a September 11th patch from the devastation in New York and Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and in Washington, D.C., or really Virginia at the Pentagon. Um, so it's a special jersey for me. But Roy Williams left Kansas in 2003, and that's when Bill Self took over. Hubert Davis took over for Roy Williams at UNC in 2021. So it was really cool to see Roy Williams, no matter who won, to an extent he was going to be happy. He was going to be happy. Another person that was happy is Charles Barkley. He did his guarantee that Kansas was going to win. I think he loves it when he can get a little dig into Kenny Smith. So there's some video out there if you want to check it out where there is no doubt that he was jumping around and dancing around Kenny Smith and Kenny Smith was done. He wanted nothing to do with Charles Barkley. But when Charles Barkley talked about the fact that Kansas was simply not running like they should. They were not, uh, Charles Barkley called them the fastest team in the tournament and talked about they needed to stop trying to go inside and just run the Tar Heels up and down the court. And they did that in the second half. And that was impressive. That was impressive. What wasn't impressive um, was the fact that at the championship trophy presentation, NCAA president Mark Emmert, who I feel like has not really done much positive, if you will, much of anything that's positive for the NCAA in terms of helping the athletes, I would say. He said, uh, I'm here to present the championship trophy to Coach Self and the Kansas City Jayhawks. That's a new team that I had never heard of. All right? I had never heard of it. But realistically, the bigger issue is he was handing the trophy to a coach and a program that's under an investigation for five level one violations that are considered to be egregious and severe. And, you know, that's pretty sad. There are a couple of players, I mean, excuse me, there are um, a few people in jail for the scandal that includes Kansas, but it's not only Kansas. But it is kind of ironic that here you have a 
coach and a program winning a national championship that may have done some things that were, you know, a little unsavory. They really should not have been doing to, you know, get the best players to come to Kansas. Now, some of that probably would be free or free to do, excuse me, if you will, under the new name image likeness. But no matter what, it's it just, you know, it put a stain on the national championship. Speaking of name image likeness, Remy Martin, he came off the bench with 14 points in the national championship. Um, I hope he gets an NIL deal, deal, but I don't know if he can. Can he get an NIL deal with, with a liquor? You know, there's Remy Martin, there's a cognac, the French cognac. I feel like, come on, that's that's a given that he should get some kind of a name image likeness deal, but probably can't. But that name is just too cool. That name is just too cool. Yes, it is. Now, at the end of the game, you know, they played a one shining moment. Is it wrong of me that I'm like tired of one shining moment? I think that's, is that Luther Vandross? Singing it, I mean, it's got to be. I mean, the funny thing is, I it's the song is if I look it up, the song was by David Barrett. Um, but it sounds like Luther Vandross is singing it, and in my mind, as I was watching it, I really felt like. I, I'm done with it. I just, Teddy Pendergrass has done it before. Neo, they said he had done it, but the, the version they use the most, Jennifer Hudson did it as well, is by Luther Vandross. And I'd like to see somebody else do it. It's time. Now, who is it that should do it? I say The weekend. I'd like to see The weekend redo one shining moment. And I think every year, if, okay, let's say I'm saying The weekend. if they're like, look, we're not going to keep changing it every year. I, although I think that they should. I think that it'd be neat. It's a pretty simple song. Um, but I think it needs an update. But if you want to do a different person every year, I kind of like that too. But in general, I'm voting for the weekend to be the new singer for one shining moment. Now, speaking of shining moments, when I come back, we're going to be talking about Tiger Woods and how important, even as a golfer that's on the tail end of his career, no one is more important. And that's coming up on Just for Sport. All right, welcome back to Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here with you. And we're talking about the Masters. I'm going to get my mug out soon. Tomorrow is the par three. I am going to enjoy enjoy 
watching Little Masters. And this is kind of new for me. I feel like I don't play golf. I actually want, I've only thing, the closest I play to golf is fling golf. And I think fling golf is pretty good. That's something else I should talk to um, our guys or the tour junkies about, right? Fling golf is pretty good. Fling golf is pretty good to me. And for somebody who, you know, doesn't see themselves playing golf at some point, I think I think that's a good alternative to learning how to pick up a club. It's a lot cheaper. Not that that matters. I mean, if you could play, oh man, I could you imagine them allowing you to play fling golf down at Augusta? That'd probably be sacrilegious. I do declare you have desecrated our tournament. I don't know. That definitely sounds like Falcorn Leghorn. But I want to get some fling golf for more golf courses. You carry one club. It serves as a putter, and you use it to fling the golf ball down the fairway. And the the you know it's it's the same shots, par five, four, three, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, everybody, everybody in sports, especially that follows golf, has to recognize that no one playing golf today moves the needle. They simply do not. And the reason that I feel that way is just look at the headlines. All of the headlines. Fox talking about Tiger Woods at the Masters. New York Post. Tiger Woods, massive crowd for Masters practice. ESPN, Fred Couples, optimistic. Tiger Woods will play in the Masters. They aren't even talking about the other players. CNN, Yahoo Sports, USA Today. Nobody cares about anyone else playing golf. And okay, I know you could talk about, well, it's a big deal. You know, he's coming back from a, you know, the uh, single car crash that may have ended his career last February. Um, It left him in the hospital for months. You know, you didn't know if he was ever going to walk again after he shattered his tibia and fibula bones in his right leg. And Tiger posted on Twitter, I will be heading up to Augusta today to continue my preparation and practice. It will be a game time decision on whether I compete. And I am all for it. I'm all for it. I just feel like is I don't you know, when you looked at the NCAA tournament this year, you know, there was Parody, uh, somewhat, I feel like, in the National Football League, in the NBA, you know, well, Phoenix is really heads above everybody else, but I feel like overall there is some kind of, oh, you don't know who's going to win. But in my mind, and I'm saying this coming from someone who realistically, I only follow the big matches. I turn it on when the Masters comes on, PGA Championship. U.S. Open, et cetera, et cetera. 
No one is talking about the tournament. No one. On a national scale, everything is all about Tiger. Because Tiger matters so much more than anyone else. Anyone else in the tournament. I also think that part of it is because there are players that are just simply nationally just really not moving the needle. I mean, John Rahm is a favorite at plus 900. Justin Thomas plus 1,200. Scotty Scheffler at plus 1,200. Please tell me. Like when I read that, I was like, man, there's some of these players. I have no idea who they are. Cameron Smith. Plus 1,400. I know Dustin Johnson. He's at plus 1,600. Victor Hovland. Xander Schofle at plus 2,000. There are players near the top that I just, I just don't see it. None of these players you really care to watch. And maybe part of that is because Tiger is just greater than everybody. And I know there was the accident, but it just seems to me in many ways, he's almost taking away the conversation from anybody else. Have you been talking about Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay, Hideki Matsuyama? No. You have not. In the end, All everyone cares about is seeing Tiger Woods. And that means to me, you don't care who else is in the tournament. You'd watch the tournament if it was just Tiger Woods playing and that was it. And I know you have because you've been following on Twitter trying to see, oh, I'm going to check him out at Medalist. You know, there was that secret camera. Somebody had some home video following. It's like TMZ style following Tiger Woods. Practicing at the Medalist, I think that's his course in Florida. See, I don't know some of this stuff, but I know that people were, there was a video out there because I saw it trending. Do I think Tiger's going to win? No, I don't. And I will make a pick on Thursday. But in the end, that's kind of what anybody, all that every, anybody cares about is Tiger Woods. And I'm here for it. I hope Tiger Woods plays. It'll add some excitement. It'll probably be the, the highest rated Masters maybe ever. The ratings may dwarf everything else over the course of the four days this weekend. And for ESPN and uh, CBS... It very well may be the highest rated sporting event outside of football, the NFL. It really might be. I'm looking forward to see what happens. I mean, I don't expect him to play past Thursday and Friday. And who knows? He may have to bow out. He may have to say, look, 36 holes was a lot for me. But I think that there's excitement to just seeing him back on the course. It's going to be fun, and I'm going to make my picks. 
on Thursday. Actually, I get, uh, you know, I mean, I guess I may have to make my picks now. Who cares about my picks? It's really about tour junkies. They know what's going on. All right, when I come back, we're going to shift to the National Basketball Association. And we are a week away from the play-in tournament starting. And that's really, come on, just call it the playoffs. Just say the playoffs. Even if you got the play-in tournament, I feel like it's weird. I'm not supposed to call it the playoffs yet, but it's the playoffs. Give me a break. I'll talk about it on the other side of the break. Just for sport with Jamoke Davis. All right, we're talking basketball. And you know what? I mean, I might have been wrong. I very well might have been wrong. I thought the Heat were done. I really did. They had the big fight. Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. Having some some words. Eric Spolstra throwing down his clipboard like, yeah, you want to go? Let's go. And this was happening during a game. And then Udonis Haslam was like, okay, let's go, Jimmy, trying to take up for his coach. But something clicked. I don't I wish we could know what was said. I wish we could know what was said. Because Somehow, they now won four in a row, and maybe it's going to turn their season around. Maybe. I I am really surprised. But the Heat sit atop the Eastern Conference, two games ahead of the Celtics, two and a half games ahead of the Bucks and Sixers, the Bulls and Raptors are fighting for the five and the six seed. So they're jockeying for position. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'd say they probably have the seven seed locked up. But the Hawks, Hornets, and the Nets are jockeying for that eight, nine, ten play in position. Every other team in the East are out. Bye-bye, Knicks. Bye-bye, Wizards, Pacers, Pistons, Magic. I can't wait to see NBA on TNT back. I miss Charles and Kenny and Shaq, EJ. They're the best. The other show, uh, just can't watch. Can't watch. Then you've got the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns, who've lost two in a row. But, I mean, they're nine games up on the on the Heat. I mean, not that you were thinking anyway whatsoever that there was a possibility that the Heat were going to catch the Suns. It's not going to happen. There's only like three games left. But just the fact that the Suns are where they are, which, by the way, I, I think we got to reshape the MVP race. I, okay, maybe it's, I don't know. It's not right. I feel like every time I think it should go to the team with the best record and the best player on that team, you know, it, it seems like I can never quite even convince myself that that is the case. 
But I don't know how you could be talking about Joel Embiid and Giannis and Nikola Jokic and like whether it's Devin Booker or Chris Paul, they're not even in the conversation and yet they have the best record in the NBA. To me, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. But I digress. Going to the west side, Memphis Grizzlies. They are locked in at the second seed. The Warriors, Mavericks are fighting for the the three seed and the four seed. Uh, That's what I'll probably say. I mean, the Nuggets, they probably can't catch the Mavericks, but I guess the Mavericks lose their last uh, two games, maybe. Denver wins its last two. It's a possibility or three games left, actually. That's possible. But probably not likely. But Nuggets and Jazz are fighting for the five and six seed. Timberwolves are a game and a half back of the Jazz. Technically, they could probably catch the Jazz. That's also a possibility. The Jazz are four and six in their last 10. Clippers are locked in in the eighth spot. Pelicans and Spurs right now have the ninth and 10th and the Lakers are on the outside looking in. Now let's talk about the Lakers. I always said throughout the entire season, they're too old. They should have gotten some younger players in a trade, not Russell Westbrook. They gave away too much youth and it shows every game, especially when they get out to a big lead and they can't hold on to it. Because the older players can't hang with some of the younger players. And at the NBA level, they're all really good. I think the Lakers should have traded for John Wall. Now, John Wall has only played 40 games in the last three seasons. You could take that one of two ways. Yeah, you could say, oh, well, he's washed up. I don't think so. I think for some reason the Rockets felt like, hey, we want to just tank again, so we don't want to even improve by having John Wall on the field. And we'll pay him over $40 million to go live in Miami and work out at a gym, and we don't have to worry about it. That makes no sense whatsoever. But he was out there for the taking. I'm not going to blame John for that contract. My man was a beast. He was a beast when that contract was signed. He was averaging 19 points, 9.2 assists, 4.3 rebounds, 1.7 steals when he signed that Supermax for $171 million. Nah, he was good. He was good. And I just feel like it's just a travesty. But bottom line is, in the end, the Lakers are just old. They're old. They're just, and it shows. Now, Magic Johnson going on uh, ESPN, talking about the Lakers could have had DeRozan and Buddy Heald and kept Alice Caruso. And then some people are saying, no, that's not possible with the salary cap. Anything's possible. Kevin Garnett, anything's possible after they won the Celtics championship. Magic said, 
in a, a tweet, if you sign DeRozan, you only trade Kuzma for Buddy Heal, we would be playing in the Western Conference Championship this year with those two guys. I don't want to get into semantics of who was going to be on the team realistically. And it doesn't mean that because DeMar DeRozan is having an historic, ridiculously good season in Chicago that he would have had the same season in LA. I actually think his numbers might have been worse because LeBron James, even though they try to say, oh yeah, DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan didn't want to be second fiddle. And not that he's first fiddle with the Bulls, but he and Zach Levine, they play well together. LeBron James probably would have found some way to sabotage DeMar DeRozan's numbers. Now, give me the ball. I'll get it to you when I want to get it to you. I just need you to kind of be there for me. I need the kick out. I want you to be able to shoot it. But not allowing DeMar DeRozan to shine the way he can shine in Chicago. So while Magic may be right in that they needed that youth, I can't can't see DeMar DeRozan realistically doing as well as he's doing now in Chicago with the Bulls. Yes, they've been, they had a slide four and six in their last 10. They were the number one seed at one point. Now they're the fifth seed. They're 12 games over 500, but DeMar DeRozan is doing his thing. Now Twitter gets you. You can make comments at the beginning of the season. I'm not faulting him for it, but at the beginning of the season, Magic tweeted out, Laker Nation, a blockbuster trade that's bringing Russell Westbrook to the Lakers is very, in all caps, very exciting and will definitely make the Lakers a championship contender next season. <clears throat> they are definitely not a championship contender, and I don't see them even making the playoffs. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. The Spurs are 7-3 and three in their last 10. The Pelicans are 6-4 and four in their last 10 with C.J. McCollum. After that trade, really got them going. I'd love for, for them to have Zion. Who knows when Zion's going to play, but the Pelicans are playing well. Even though they're 10 games below 500, the Lakers have lost six in a row. I, I personally think that they're done. I don't see them making the playoffs. I don't. I just feel like this is it for them. There's no way that this Lakers team, I just I just don't see them making the playoffs. I don't. And it's sad too because, yeah, you could probably say, hey, if Anthony Davis was healthy, maybe they would be better. And not even be worried about making the playoffs. They've got four games left on the season. Three of them are against teams that there's no way they're winning. They've got the Suns at home. Phoenix, excuse me. They're playing in Phoenix. That's a loss. They're playing the Warriors on the road. That's another loss. They got a back-to-back where they're at home against the Thunder. And if I remember correctly, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and the Oklahoma City Thunder beat them in L.A. the last time they played. I'm almost certain, but I'm not going back to check it. I'm almost certain. If they didn't, at least it was a closer game than what people thought. 
So that's not even a gimme. And then they end the season at the Nuggets. And the Nuggets got something to play for too. So, yeah. Say goodbye to the Lakers making the playoffs. They're done. D-O-N-E. And they're going to have to think about what they did right and did wrong and revamp the roster. They're going to have to. The thing is, like, I don't understand what they thought they were going to get in Russell Westbrook and why it didn't work. I mean, you thought you were going to get the the triple-double guy, but he has to have the ball in his hand. So he doesn't play well with LeBron. He doesn't match up with LeBron well. He just doesn't. You gave up KCP and Caruso and Kuzma and Harrell, which, okay, okay, fine. You could have gotten rid of Harrell. But I just don't like it. What I also don't like is sticking with basketball. Kevin Durant. Oh, I blame the season on my knee. We'd be better if it wasn't for his knee derailing the season. He said, quote, to be honest, I feel like our season was derailed by my injury. So I'm not looking at it like we're just not a good basketball team. It's like there wasn't a lot of continuity with me and Kyrie out of the lineup. That's just what it is. When we're all on the floor together, I like what we got. Okay. Yeah, you had a knee injury. You did. And yes, that hurt. In mid-January, not being able to play those games, yeah, that was a big deal. But what I am disappointed in the most, and actually, before I go there, let me also finish this thought. Steve Nash, right, remaining optimistic that they can play good basketball in the playoffs. Quote, I mean, who knows if we do it or we don't, but we have the belief and we'll give it a shot. I don't know that many teams other than maybe ours last year have been in a position before where we've played a handful or more games together going into a playoff, but it's not like there's a blueprint, but we can't diminish our belief, our attitude. We fight every day to get a little bit better. If we get negative or think this is too much or the world stacked against us, this is not going to be productive. And I think all of us, are kind of enjoying the challenge. Durant went on to say about the standings, who cares? Whoever we play, we play. I don't care who we play. I don't care that we're in the play and just tip the ball up and see what happens. That's all you can control. It's too stressful thinking about we're, about we're trying to dodge a team, lining up just to play the game. We'll see what happens. The issue for me is Kevin Durant should also, you're going to be, look, I, hey, I love that he's like, yeah, man, my injury hurt the team. He's been injured a lot. He's had a lot of moments where he's got injured. But the one thing he's not doing that he should be doing is saying, Kevin, Kevin Durant, you're not the only one that derailed the season. Why are you sticking up for Kyrie Irving so much so that you can't even be able to say, Kyrie Irving hurt our team's chances this year too. You're that soft. You can't say Kyrie Irving hurt the season too. 
Because he did. Maybe for different reasons, but it's a fact that him not playing also hurt the season. Don't just throw it in there as an aside. Oh yeah, Kevin, uh, me me and Kyrie didn't get to play as much together. Don't just say it that way. It was bigger than that. It's a disgrace to your team and the intelligence of the fans of the Nets and the fans of the NBA that you think you could just put it aside and be like, oh yeah, it was just my knee injury. That's BS. You needed Kyrie out there and you can't even say that. There wasn't a lot of continuity with me and Kyrie out of the lineup. That's true. You said that much, but you could have followed it up with Kyrie and I derailed the season then I would have given you a lot more credit for what you said. It's weak. That being said, the Nets going to be tough. Ooh, boy, even if Kevin Durant, they may not be jockeying and trying to see who they're going to play, but you know all of these teams between the one and the six seed are thinking about it. And that's a lot of jockeys. So in the end, there may not be much you can do. Oh, let's lose this one, but let's win this one. Then we'll try to lose this one. I know a lot of it is just, you know, having fun with it. But internally, you know teams are thinking about, oh, let's see if we can match up with this team. It's happened. It's happened in all sports. It's happened in the NFL when they rested a player for the final game of the season, when they knew that that may change their seeding or not. It is what it is. It's all good. And I'm going to enjoy this uh, final week of the NBA as we look forward to what will be quite, quite an exciting NBA playoffs. Congratulations again to the Kansas Jayhawks. Shout out to Kelly Oubre. Good to see the Kansas Jayhawks getting it done. It was a good game. It delivered in the final game. Thursday show, we'll talk a little bit more Masters. And how come they don't have a women's Masters tournament? It's about time they make a change. That'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm Jamal K. Davis. To the window! Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code JFORSPORT and prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the prize picks app today.